Welcome to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. Each week, we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, board-certified women's health coach, and alternative medicine practitioner, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, welcome back to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley. I'm really excited to be joined today and share today's interview with you. Um, My guest is Brian Keene, and while he's the second dude to join us on the show, I really enjoyed our conversation, and I know you're going to as well. He's based in Ireland and has kind of taken the UK fitness scene by storm. And over the past seven years, he went from working as a full-time school teacher, elementary school teacher, actually, to being one of Ireland and the UK's leading thought leaders on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We had a really great conversation. He has two books that we discussed some, um, The Fitness Mindset and Rewire Your Mindset. But he really has this refreshing approach to fitness and to the whole industry that I think you all are really going to enjoy. So without Further ado, I introduce you to Brian Keene, who has his own podcast that is featured at number one um, on iTunes in the UK and Ireland pretty regularly, and just has some really great stories and really great insight that I know you're all going to enjoy. So Brian, welcome. You're also an endurance athlete, and we might dive into some of that because I'm super curious to just pick your brain on that as a former marathon runner myself, but welcome to the show. I'm really looking forward to chatting, Dr. Alex. Uh, again, the great stuff that you're doing here and loads of different topics we can cover. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And you know, I haven't had, there's a lot of directions we can go and I'll probably get caught up on the mindset aspect of things, but um, I haven't really specifically talked about fitness on the show. So I'm excited to do that with you and maybe I'll, I'll share this and then we can dive into kind of your approach and this perspective with it. Cause you know, for me as a high-performing woman. I, I was a high-level athlete in my, you know, late teens and twenties playing soccer and I ran marathons and I've done ski marathons and, you know, pushed myself really hard physically. And then I, I kind of hit this wall where stress became too much and I just couldn't find the chutzpah anymore to, to really dive into it. So I really like this. You talk a lot about holistic fitness and I, I'd love to dive into like, what, what does that mean? What is this? Cause I know a lot of women I work with struggle with, they were formerly, you know, high-level athletes or maybe tend to push themselves too hard or trying to find that like more sustainable version of being fit and, and just kind of taking care of ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I think yeah. there's a lot of people in the same boat that fitness can be seen as kind of an all or nothing, especially if you come with that athlete background, you played soccer, mm-hmm. ran marathons, like cause fitness can be very all consuming, you know, and for good reason, like if you have a big goal, like a marathon or you're playing high level sport, it takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of time, a lot of focus, a lot of energy, but that can come at the cost and the expense of other things. But when I think about fitness, like it's not to say don't put those goals or have those goals, you know, I'm a believer and I do kind of crazy endurance events, but I try and take a bit more to kind of skew my personal side and then tie it back into what you said, just to kind of give a whole kind of a, a holistic approach on this is like I run 100 mile ultra marathons I do triathlon I do multi-day endurance events so I, in 2018 I ran 
ran six back-to-back marathons through the Sahara. In 2019, I ran through the Arctic, 230 kilometers. Um, and I have, you know, my family, I have my daughter. I have, I live very close to where I grew up in terms of being beside my mom and dad. It's kind of family first, business second, fitness is third. But when it comes to balancing those out, if you're kind of a high achiever or a high energy person in terms of, I don't want to not have my fitness goals, you can do that and have everything. It's just a case that you need a little bit more balance and know where to pull what levers at what time. But when it comes to holistic fitness, generally what I mean by that is people tend to see fitness as training. That that tends to be a, a, a large chunk of it. And then a little bit of diet underneath it. People normally have those two kind of kissing cousins. They're, they're there, but you know, training's the big elephant in the room when people think fitness. With physical fitness, whether it's training for a marathon, playing high level sport, or whether it's just losing some body fat or feeling, you know, sexier and more confident when you walk into a room in your favorite dress, it's, you're looking at it as a whole. So you've got your training, but that's one small element and training comes in lots of different shapes and forms. That could be a step count for the day. That could be a grueling CrossFit workout. That could be a daily run at lunchtime. Then you have your nutrition over here, which is all about your sustainability. Like, what can you stick to? I know with alternative medicine practitioner doing what you're doing, like nutrition plays a massive role in how you feel, your energies, your hormones, your mood, all of that. So you're finding something nutritionally that you can stick to. Like my nutritional philosophy, and I'm a certified nutritionist, is to find a nutritional plan that works for you, whether that's a fasting protocol, whether that's a paleo diet, whether that's vegan or plant-based, whatever it is. It's about finding what works best for you based on your goals, based on your lifestyle, and schedule and based on what foods you enjoy effectively so that you can stick to it. But there's also two other elements that people tend to forget. There's the sleep and stress element. Like that plays a massive, massive role in physical fitness. Your ability to adhere to a diet plays a big role in in terms of the quality of your sleep. So if your sleep quality is poor, you know this, Dr. Alex, if your sleep quality is poor, you're going to have an imbalance in certain hormones, your ghrelin, your leptin, your hunger, your satiation hormones are going to be out of whack. So you're not going to be able to adhere to a nutritional plan. You're also not going to have the same intensity in your workouts. And stress kind of pulls on that lever as well. If you have too much stress, as you said, one of the things that people fail to realize, and I know you've covered this. So just to rehash something that has already been said, like stress is cumulative. Like it doesn't matter where it's coming from. So if you're training two, three hours a day in the gym, or you're training for 40 minutes and you have a boss or someone shouting at you and you're going through a bad breakup, that's all stress to your body. It's all elevation and cortisol. So there's a reason that people in their 20s and teens are able to push the limit for marathons and physical exertion because you don't have those same levels of stress. Yeah, you might have, if you're in college or university, you might have exams, etc. but you don't have a mortgage. You might probably don't have kids. Some have, obviously, but majority don't have all these commitments and life stressors just yet. But then as you enter your 30s and your 40s, all of these other outside external stressors come in. And that means that your ability to push yourself as hard physically goes down. Just being aware of that normally makes you ease up on yourself. Because how many people, particularly high achieving women, you know this, like I work with a lot of them that are like, oh, but I used to be able to do this. And I used to be able to train like this. And I used to be able to do my marathon in this time. And now I can't run, you know, 10K or, you know, if I thought of 10 miles makes me feel dizzy. Like that people, that happens. And sometimes it's a case of easing up on yourself. And then the last thing is just, the mindset side in general. Like there's so much of the mindset that plays a role in holistic fitness, whether that is one extreme from, you know, self-sabotage with nutrition where you need to reset and get on track again, all the way up to building confidence within yourself so that, you know, your external representation isn't what fuels your inner confidence. Like sometimes you can get a really good transformation in fitness 
but you still don't feel that confident inside. You know, you can put a new person, the same person into a new body and they might not feel confident. It depends how you get there. The example I use is like, if you have two people that jump on a diet, one person does it with a good quality nutritional plan, working with a nutritionist, working with a practitioner and drops their calories slightly, uses good food choices, keeps themselves fueled and drops 10, 20 pounds versus somebody else who jumps on a quick fix, you know, drink this shake twice a day, don't eat any food. Like the end results will be similar for both people, but one's going to feel so much more confident in themselves at the end of the results. So that mindset element gets forgotten sometimes when it comes to fitness. So from a holistic standpoint, it's not just looking at the training or the physical side, you're looking at the nutrition, you're looking at the sleep and stress, and you're looking at the mindset. I love it. We're totally on the same page with how we approach these things. So, you know, cause I, I tend to like, A, we have to look at what's sustainable. And I think that can be a really hard, I know it's been hard for me to get to, like, I actually took, I think I, I love to run. I, you know, I was really great at it. I, I ran a, I would train at like a eight minute mile pace. I know you're in a different uh, metric or whatever, where you yeah, are, yeah. but you know, I, I was like good at it. And then I reached this point where I couldn't run that fast. And, you know, it, it was hard. I got back to where I ran a, a half marathon in 2017, but like, it was so hard to divorce that, you know, not worrying about my splits and my time. And so it's just been this year where I could finally like circle back to that and really just approach running for the enjoyment of it and not worrying about my pace and not worrying about how far I went and walking when I wanted to. And, you know, just like taking this entirely different mindset approach. So, and I know you talk a lot about mindset and I I've kind of dove into one of your books a bit about this, but how do you kind of help people through that shift? Cause I, I know I'm not the only person who struggles with this that listens to that show. It depends on it depends on the starting point. It depends on where somebody's coming out with a starting point because it is considerably easier to shift someone's mindset who is say in their early thirties versus someone in their early forties. And the analogy I use here is if you went out into your garden, not in Alaska, but in, in another part of the world, or you go out into your garden and you try and dig up a seed, that's going to be relatively straightforward to dig up. If you go out and try and pull out a sapling, it's going to take a little bit more work. You try and take an oak tree out of the ground, like you're literally going to be dazed there with an axe. That's kind of how your habits and how your mindset develops over time. So if you're working with somebody and trying to shift their mindset, it's considerably easier to shift the mindset of somebody in their early 20s, early 30s than someone in their early 40s and early 50s. And that's not a bad thing. This this isn't to, 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 to play down on that. It's to be aware from the front end that it takes longer to rewire your mindset and change up habits that have been ingrained in there for a long period of time. You know this with the sustainability factor of changing people's lifestyle. It's it's so much easier with somebody who hasn't all these years of bad habits built up, you know, but this is just to align the expectations on the front end. Like I'm not a a woo-woo think it'll happen in to just come into your life kind of coach. I'm not, I'm like, well, this is practicality. You've been doing this for 30 years. You've been doing this for 40 years, ever since you were 10, 15, 20, and now it's caught up and you're not able to sustain it anymore. You're not happy with the way your body looks or the way your body's performing. I'm like, that's cool. We, now we start fresh. We need to rewire those habits and we go again. So it, it generally comes with small, simple changes. Like the biggest mistake, and you know this because anyone that says sustainable, I've heard this on your previous podcast, like making too many changes too soon is a recipe for failure. It is. Too many changes, too big a changes too soon, and you're going to fall down. We're all like that. I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself and the majority of people that I've worked with. That's a recipe for failure. But small seemingly insignificant changes that actually end up to leading to an end goal or supporting an end goal 
is the effective way to make the changes. Like if I'm using nutrition as an example, like you could do this with any example, you know, a marathon is the same, but nutrition is a very straightforward example. If you have someone who's been eating really poorly for, you know, 50 years, you're not going to change the diet overnight because they've, they've eaten patterns. They have psychological associations around food. And there's a lot of issues with potentially with food relationship or education that you need to change up there. So you don't change everything all at once. You don't go from eating one way to changing up everything all at once because you're not going to be able to stick to that. But if you do start looking at one meal, so you start considering your breakfast, that that foundation meal of the day, and you start making that change. And you say, this is a non-negotiable. I'm making this change to my nutrition, my breakfast every single day, but I'm going to eat what I want for lunch, eat what I want for dinner. I'm just going to keep as normal with those other meals. And then over the space of a month or six weeks, you then look at your lunch and you start making that change. And then six months, six weeks, eight weeks later, you do the same with your dinner. And before you know it, over three, four or five month period, you've gone from eating one way with all potentially unsupportive foods and eating behaviors that don't support your end goal to completely changing that. And you've been able to stick to it because the changes were smaller. And I think that's just an example for whatever change you make, you know, whether that's an eating regimen, a step count, a physical exercise program, training for a marathon is the same. You don't go into the gym or you don't go out on the road and say, well, I'm going to run 26.2 miles today. I'm like, you go out and you run half a mile. (laughs) Like you start with half a mile and then you go to a mile and then you build up and you keep doing that gradually over time time. And I think once you see that and start to look at things that way, that's normally the first step for most people. I love that. And this episode's actually coming out kind of right before we hit the new year and, you know, everyone's crazy new year's resolutions. So ladies, let's <laughs> don't try to do it all at once. Cause I mean, that's like, that's the classic example. Everyone's, you know, working out seven days a week and eating salad. And, you know, by the end of January, you're done. Cause it's just, it's not sustainable. A, you're doing a bunch of the wrong things and it's just too much in, in the wrong direction. So that's, that's great advice. Um, and from your standpoint, because I, I make this argument, so I'm curious what you have to say because you're both in the nutrition and, you know, by fitness, I mean like exercise and working out kind of world. And I'll be honest, like I haven't focused as much there because I found most women I work with are like me where their stress has just reached a point where it's, it's honestly hurting them more than helping them to mm-hmm push, but that doesn't mean don't, you know, move, don't, don't like do something. Like, for example, I just recently, I Jerry rigged, I'm actually standing at my desk doing this interview and I I hadn't been for the longest time. And I'm like, this is a small change I can make. So, you know, just as an example, like I've got cardboard boxes holding a light up and it's all good. Like you, You can't see it. It's behind me. But, um, you know, if we were to look at like, where do we start, you know, maybe our, and I I know a lot of it has to do with person, but I've always focused on like nutrition is 90% of it. And then the physical side comes into the other 10. Like what, are you in agreement? How how do you recommend people get started? Like if we're looking at new year's resolutions and all this. Um, It depends on the goal, but, but for weight loss, fat loss, body composition change. Yeah. hundred percent, 90%, 90, 10, like Mm -hmm. performance, trying to run a sub three hour marathon, trying to do a bodybuilding show, trying to do a, you know, bikini competition, trying to do an Ironman triathlon. It skews more than towards the training side because you're trying to physically push yourself to a specific point and you're not going to go out and, you know, do an Ironman distance triathlon without any training first. Like you'll probably drown. So, you know, it's, it's not a good idea and not good advice, but with fitness goals, for the most part, body composition, weight loss, fat loss, that's nutrition. Like 80, 90% is the progress. Like when I think of that 10% training, I probably wouldn't even have it in there. Like you can lose lots of weight and reduce loads of body fat by not doing an ounce of exercise. 
like now when I say not an ounce of exercise, I don't lie in bed all day, like, but a step count. Like I have some of my clients that I work with. Some of them don't go to the gym at all. They don't work out at all. They're literally target for the day is a step count where I'm like, cool, we'll try and get 10,000 steps today. Be moving, standing at your desk. If you have that option, all these little low hanging fruits that could potentially add up, you know, don't take the escalator or the lift at work, you know, take the stairs. And again, you make that a non-negotiable. It's like, you don't, it doesn't matter how you feel. Like one of my mentors used to always tell me that successful people do what they have to do, regardless of how they feel. And you make it a non-negotiable. So you say, I'm taking the stairs. I don't care if I'm tired. I don't care if I'm sore. I'm taking the stairs and I'm doing that every day. Like that one change can shift everything when it comes to body composition because you're potentially burning more calories, which can support a deficit and help you lose body fat. But to be fair, like you don't have to work out to lose body fat. You don't have to work out to lose weight. You just need to dial in your nutrition. Like it's, a, it's I won't say it's calories in, calories out because we both know that's not true in the, the sense that the food choices matter, the nutrients matters. But in terms of energy and, and taking stored fat from your energy, it's about being able to Bring those calories down so that you can tap into that stored fat on your body and use it for fuel. You don't necessarily have to do that by going to the gym an hour every day. You can do that by just bringing down your calories and your food choices slightly, you know, and that's not even necessarily like eating less food. I'm talking, you know, just bringing down, like you go to McDonald's, you know, once or twice, a couple of times a week, like that adds up calorie wise very quickly without a lot of food. So like people confuse food quantity and calorie quantity and they're two completely different things like you can eat yeah like that's that's a big thing people make like i had a lot of people come to me dr alex who were like but i don't eat that much and i still can't lose body fat i'm like okay what are you eating and then they'll send me their food and i'm like you're eating like three thousand calories every day i'm like your maintenance is about half that and they're like i'm not though i'm not eating much food i'm like no no no, you're not eating much food but you're eating a lot of calories and that that shift it can, it can help with a lot of people. Like then you're making good choices, complex carbs, healthy fats, complete protein sources, lots of plants, lots of vegetables, fruits, et cetera. Like they're all just bedrock principles of nutritional, you know, nutrients, but yeah. Yeah. people confuse calories and food, you know, particularly in the U S cause I lived in California. Mm-hmm. So I know this firsthand, like, and I, I don't mean to attack the States, but the U S is way worse than Europe for this because of the, the regulation, et cetera, in terms yeah. of junk food and the, the high sugar and high cooked fructose corn syrup and all that. You don't need to eat or drink a lot of those traditionally processed foods to get a lot of calories. And that one shift in terms of, you know, drink some water instead of your, your drink or even switch to a diet drink. Again, there's issues there too, with if you've got microbiome issues, et cetera. But, you know, f- from a calorie saving standpoint for somebody who's 50 pounds overweight, it might be a good swap, you know, swap switch. So it's context dependent, but it's just being aware of all these things around you. Like these are pitfalls that people fall down with weight loss and fat loss. And they're actually quite easy to address once you're aware of it. Yeah, I agree with that. And I was about to jump in with a, a little thing there, but I, I, I think that's important. I find a lot of the women I work with, we actually under eat. Um, and this can be a similar thing. And so I, you know, like, 99, I'd say percent of the women that I'm, I'm working with, it's like, you're eating 1200 calories or less a day. And they're still coming from like bad, you know, not great food choices. Yeah, like versus- a, unless you're, unless you're like 60 pounds and four yeah. foot two, like that's two little calories. <laughs> it is. And so that increases stress and tells your body, you have to store the fat and you're not going to release weight. But you know, so it's, sometimes it's, it's like figuring out which place you fit into. And sometimes it takes some objective, um, but I think it's a, it's a good rule of thumb. And again, without putting a one size fits all, I think you made a great point there. If you're eating 1200 calories or less, you're eating too little. Like I, yeah. I can safely say 99.9% of people listening 
and people do eat 1200 calories and less per day because they're like, I need to lose weight and lose body fat. I'm like, that can be counterintuitive. Like mm-hmm. on top of all the things that you know with stress, like if you have an issue with cortisol and that imbalance, like forget losing body fat. If there's an elevation in cortisol and stress is too high, like it's not going to happen. Your body's going to prioritize balancing out and get to homeostasis before it even thinks about lipolysis and tapping into fat for as a fuel source. So you're looking at that. You're looking at a reduced metabolic rate, meaning you're burning less calories throughout the day. You're looking at reduced output. So your neat activity, your non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, you're moving around, you're walking around, you're fidgeting, the things that burn calories, that all goes down if you're under eating. So you have all these things working against you. So it's a case of, you know, you know this better than anybody it's for people listening. It's bring your calories up because you don't need to drop them too low. If anything, it can actually be counterintuitive for the reason I've mentioned and you've mentioned and just again bringing awareness to that for people because it's another pitfall where people think well if I just go lower with calories you know I'll lose the weight lose body fat I'm like yeah technically that on paper that will work if you just keep dropping your calories but like in theory you know it's the high end is it um can't remember the quote, Yoga Bera, is it that the, the theory and practice are the same? In theory, practice and theory are the same, and in practice, they're not. And that that's the case. Like on paper, if you eat 1,200 calories every day consistently, you lose a little body fat. In practice, most people don't for a whole host of reasons, even assuming they're sticking to it and they're not falling off track because of you know adherence issues. So just think about that if that's something, particularly at this time of year in the lead up to the new year, that's where the temptation comes in. So just be mindful of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Circling back to this, this mindset thing, because I found, you know, especially as a, I, I always say former, I, I don't know that I'm really former, but, you know, as a high level athlete, someone who pushed myself to run a marathon, um, you know, and like I found our bodies are capable of a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. And I think the big limiting thing is this thing in between our eyes, as, as you talk about, or in between our ears and our, our mind and our brain. And you know, and you shared the story in your book of running this Arctic ultra marathon, which is insane. Like I live where it gets to 40 below, right? There's no way (laughs) I'm going outside. Like it burns your lungs. And like, I don't even know how you did that, but (laughs) it's like, and your Achilles was torn in the last, I think you said the last 70 kilometers. Um, Yeah. That's 86 kilometers. My Achilles tour. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it was 230 kilometers total. You know, so I, I'm reading that and I'm like, hey, you know, you're crazy, but no, not really. <laughs> but, you know, there's <laughs> something that has to shift in your brain where your body is capable of of doing all this stuff. And I mean, that's high stress. And like, I'm, I'm sure you had lots of stuff planned and probably a, a great approach to recovery where a lot of us, especially as women who don't pay, you know, put ourselves last and don't focus on ourselves and don't sleep well. And like all that stuff, we're setting ourselves up for failure in that sense. So I, I'm not necessarily saying like, we have to continue to push, but also just recognizing like part of that shift becomes that we are capable of more than we let ourselves do. So I'll, I'll let you kind of maybe spitball around on some of that, but I don't know yeah, what your thoughts you have there. Yeah, I do. And there's a line I have in that same book you mentioned, we were your mindset that you can't give from an empty cup. And this is something I say to so many of my women, if I'm giving talks and seminars, I haven't given many, many recently with COVID and the way the world has been, but a lot of my girls will come, particularly moms, because moms are, my mom is exactly the closest person, biggest fan in my life. Absolutely love my mom. And is literally the reason I am where I am but always put up me and my sister first, like always, like that was her default. And a lot of moms are the same. And even though it's amazing and I'm so grateful for it, there's times when you're like, look, you, you could look after yourself. Like you would have been, we'd have been fine, you know? And I think when somebody says it, 
and it lands and connects. We are like, I'm actually not looking after myself. And this shows up in different shapes and forms for people. Very much the case here, it's stress where you're not managing your own stress levels. In some cases for me, it's, it's normally in the nutrition and the training side where people aren't putting themselves first. And as a result, they have all these other potential health issues that they need to deal with down the line. And I think it's important before I get on to, you know, how you can push past those self-created limitations effectively what they are it's important to realize that you have to look after yourself first and from and i'll go to the grave i think with this belief inside me that you need to look after yourself to be the best for me dad partner son brother best friend like the things that are important and valuable to me if i don't look after myself first my mental health my physical health i can't be the best version of me for them so i think that shift has helped a lot of people and it's something that's worth considering and again it can get pushed back cuz i totally get the no no you don't get it you don't get my life i have several kids i'm like no i, I don't I, I have a different life i 100% I, I don't know where you're coming from all i'm saying is to challenge that because that belief system although i get it might not be the best thing for your mental health, physical wellness, overall health over the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, etc. So I just want to add that kind of as a caveat. With the Arctic and pushing past your limitations, I'm always hesitant to tell that story, although it's in the book and on podcasts, is because it's so unrelatable for a lot of people. Like there's a very handful of people who are going to run 230 kilometers to the Arctic, probably less who will run it on a torn Achilles. But what I will say is it's all relative. And my version of running through the Arctic is somebody else's gym anxiety and joining a gym for the first time. It's somebody else's doing a mile race so that they can get the steps in place to potentially maybe do a half marathon at some point in their life where this is the end goal that they have. So it's all relative. What I'll say is you're right in the sense that we have way more physical, we can push ourselves a lot more physically than we think we can. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I love the gym so much, and I love working out and fitness so much, and people fall on two sides of this coin. Some people are similar to me. Others don't like it and they do it for other reasons and other people won't do it at all. Although the physical changes are nice, looking nice, building muscle, toning up, losing body fat, all that it's not really what physical fitness gives you. Like when you're physically pushing yourself, you're getting this mental clarity and you're building this confidence within yourself because you're doing things that you didn't physically think you can do. And as a result, you're consistently pushing small boundaries that you didn't realize were there. And the example I used here is I have one of my girls is probably the best example. And I know there's probably maybe a handful of people. I know it's very um, high performing people listening to the podcast, but I, one of my girls, when I used to be a one-to-one personal trainer and she was 150 pounds overweight, a very overweight girl, our entire first workout was going up and down the gym stairs three times. It took an hour, literally took an hour. Like that, though they're steps that normal people just walk up every day and down and don't take any notice of. Her entire first session was just going up and down those three times. And over the space of a couple of weeks, three, four weeks, we started to move it onto a treadmill and just slightly increasing the speed. And then after three or four months, she kept dropping weight. We started to add in resistance training and she started to lose body fat and everything was starting to feel better. And she, over six, nine months, between that six and nine month period, she lost all the weight. She dropped hundred pounds plus. Now, not everybody will do that, but she was, she went from very 
anxious about her health because it was being a physical concern to I'm making the change. I just need somebody to help me. So she was already going to succeed. I was just the trainer that she happened to be working with. And after six months, between that six and nine month period, she went on an airplane and sent me a photo. And she was like, this is the first time ever I've been able to fit into one seat. So she used to always have to buy the two seats and, and, and get a special belt. And she's like, this is amazing. This is incredible. And then over the space of the next year or two, she started to get really into training. And she started doing a little bit of CrossFit workouts. And she was off on her own. And she still checks in with me regularly. This was several years ago. From the outside, it looks like the physical transformation is the thing that changed her because she dropped 100, 150 pounds. But it wasn't. It was the small, gradual goals that she had to set every single day that we were training. And every day she wasn't with me when I was checking in with her that built her mindset over time because confidence is just basically repeating. If you repeatedly keep promises to yourself, you're going to build up confidence over time. That's, that's effectively how confidence is built. And what the gym and what fitness can do is it forces you to keep those promises to yourself. So she would go in and go, well, you know, I walked one kilometer today. Next month, I want to be able to walk 1.5 kilometers. I know different metric system we are, but 1.5 kilometers, one mile to you know 1.4 miles, 1.5 miles. And she had to keep doing that over six, nine, 12, 18 months. You know, she wasn't able to squat, obviously, because she was so heavy in the beginning. And then we got to the point where she had a bar in her back. And she's like, geez, I'd love to be able to put some weights on this. I was like, we'll get there. And then over the next couple of months, she got there with those weights in her back. So that is reinforcing the mindset of setting small goals, keeping those promises with yourself and building the confidence. Because from the outside, it when I tell my story about the Arctic, I was at the point where I had gone through my version of this, where it didn't matter. I had made the commitment to go to the Arctic and I was either finishing and running over the Arctic Circle line or I was going to be taken out in a helicopter. I had that, no plan B, I'm doing this. That isn't how everyone should approach things. But it came through years and years and years and years and years of setting small goals that helped me do that. Her story is the exact same. It's just in a completely different scenario in a different environment. The process was exactly the same. So although we can push ourselves way more physically than we think we can, that doesn't happen in an instant. It doesn't happen in a finger click. It happens gradually over time by consistently setting those small goals and hitting them. And then from the outside, it looks like from an external viewpoint, looking in, people are like, wow, they can really push it. I'm like, yeah, that's true, mm-hmm. but it's relative because of the story that's gone on for the years, months, weeks beforehand. And that I think is an important way to look at it because there's a bit of a mindset fallacy where people will, will put people on pedestals. I've done this in the past myself, you know, marathons for me before I ran my first marathon, I was like, marathons are something some other people do. I was like, I could never do that. That's way too far. I was like, I can't run from here to the kitchen without feeling tired. Like, so that my story and my internal dialogue went like that, not realizing that, well, if I just go up and start running five kilometers every day, and then I built it up to 10 and then I built it up to 20 and then I ran my first marathon and then ran my first multiple marathons. That's how you build it up. But we don't see that from the outside. So it's important to realize when you're at the start of your journey, you're focusing on the small things because you can get so daunted by the big goal of 26.2 miles in the case of a marathon that you don't even start. My advice is don't focus on 26.2. I'm like focusing on running a mile really, really well and then increase it to two and increase it to three and see where you go. And then once you do that, and you can do this with all goals, this is business goals, my experience, relationship goals, fitness goals, nutrition goals. And you build from there as opposed to 
talking your stuff out of it or having, you know, paralysis by analysis or analysis by paralysis by overthinking the whole thing. Just take it. It's the, you know, the old analogy, the figurative first step, take the first step and take the second step and just do that repeatedly. Yeah. I love that. There's two things I wanted to bring up just from you sharing that. Um, one is, are you familiar with Brendan Bouchard's dumb goals? Yes. Yeah. So I, I was thinking through that. And this is actually something I do with my clients that I haven't talked about on the show. But, um, you know, he talks about your dream and then it's uplifting and then the methods and behaviors that are going to get you there. And I think so many like what you just shared is, you know, we have to go through all those steps of having the dream and having it be something that inspires us and is uplifting and we're motivated by. But, you know, you have to do the small steps that are going to lead you to that and not try to do it too quickly like because that's where you know that's where you fail ultimately yeah, it's, where, it's where it's it's where people fall down and again i've done it myself alex like yeah me where too. you do too yeah too much too soon is, is mm-hmm. a recipe for failure as we mentioned earlier and you just ask yourself like one of my biggest serving approaches with mindset and i get my clients to do something similar particularly the ones who are struggling is i'm like ask yourself the question who do you have to become to hit that goal i'm like that's what you do. I'm like, and then you start to embody that, you know, what would the best version of myself do? Would the best version of myself prepare my meals? Would the best version of myself do the workout regardless of how I feel? What does the best version of yourself do? And then you're, you're not going to do it all the time. Like you know, life happens, you know, you don't feel well, you get sick, something else happens external with work or family. But if you do it more often than not, like I love the old Charlie Munger quote, one of my favorites. He's like, you'd be surprised at how far you'd get ahead in life if you just did less stupid things. And it's just a case of getting out of your own way, like set the goal and then try and do the thing that moves you closer to that consistently more often than not. And if you do that consistently, you will be surprised how far you get ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's another version of that that's like aim for the moon and you might hit the stars on the way or, you know, some yeah. it might be switched. But, yeah. you know, and I think that can be hard for a lot of, especially my my type A high performing women who are listening to this. It's like, what do you mean? I might not get there. Like, you know, we have to be willing to kind of push farther and bigger in terms of what we dream, I, I suppose, or what the goals are, because in pursuing that you'll reach heights that you know you never would have in in the moment. well just to just to piggyback on what you said there alex like yeah. because i'm super type a as well and again i work with a lot of people who are very similar the analogy i use in both books fitness mindset and rewire mindset is to make sure that your ladder is up against the right wall so the example i use here i so I was an elementary school teacher. So it wasn't high school, it was elementary school okay. I was in. And, and I spent four years getting an undergraduate degree. I was in business originally. And then I did a postgraduate to become a teacher. And I spent five years studying to become a teacher, thinking this is what I want to do. This is what I told my family, my friends, everybody what I want to do. And I was an hour into my first day teaching elementary school, third grade. And I was like, this isn't what I want to do. And the analogy that I used was it felt like I was spent years climbing a ladder and then realized it was up against the wrong wall. And I think for type A's, it's very important to ask yourself the question, is my ladder up against the right wall, fitness, relationship, business, whatever goal you've set for yourself, and then constantly checking and asking, well, am I enjoying this process? Because it's very easy as a type A, like it's a superpower, but it's also the worst thing about being type A, that you can get tunnel vision and you're just go, 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 get it done. Like it's literally the best thing ever when it comes to external um, achievement and getting and hitting a specific goal that you've set for yourself. You generally don't have the, oh, will I, won't I? You just go and you're gone and you get it done. And that's brilliant. But the downside of that is you never question the process while you're doing it. And 
when I think back to when I became a teacher and certified and qualified as a teacher and was working as an elementary school teacher, I never once asked the question, am I enjoying this? Do I want to be a teacher? Like such an obvious thing now, like, but, but I didn't, you know, and I have people I've worked with, with diets who are the same. I'm like, you, have you ever asked yourself, you know, is this something you can do over the long term? Like, oh no, I'll, I'm just going to do it for six weeks. I'm like, why six weeks? What happens after that? Like, are you, do you die after six weeks? Are, are you gone? And they're like, no, no, well, I'll go back eating the way I normally eat. So I'm like, that mindset is all about just getting your ladder up against the right wall or whatever it is you're doing and then checking in on it. You know, yeah. one of the mistakes I've made for sure, and I've made a lot of them. Oh my God, have I made a lot of them. But try not to make the same ones over and over again. And I think it's important if you're listening to this podcast and stress is an issue and you've tried X, Y, and Z, and it hasn't worked, you need to ask what's the common denominator here. You know, I know you have the alternative, you know, the the programs, you're working as a health coach with them. And I work as a coach, more so body compositional change, et cetera, with people. But there's always a time and a place when somebody is right to come into a program. And if you're listening to this podcast and you've gone from, you know, Alex's program to my program to someone else's program, and none of these things have worked, Sometimes it's the case of asking, well, what's the common denominator here? Like, who, who's the common trend? And the analogy I use in the book and the story I tell in the book is, you know, before I met my partner, <laughs> I went through relationship after relationship after relationship. And I always, when they ended, was like, oh, yeah, it's them. <laughs> I was like, it's them. And after about five times where the same thing happened, I was like, well, there's a common denominator here in all of these <laughs> relationships. I was like, maybe I'm the problem. And the analogy I use in the book is that, you know, if somebody calls you a horse, you know, it's a, it's on them. Two people call you a horse. It's a conspiracy. Three people call you a horse. It's time to get some saddle and some hay. If things are happening recurrently, you might be the issue. You might be the problem. And if you're a type A personality, constantly going after things, constantly putting life to the side to hit this goal, work target, fitness target, et cetera, and you keep making those mistakes over and over again, you need to look at yourself. You need to bring a little bit of self-awareness to it because nothing's going to change until you do that. And as someone who's made the mistake over and over again, and is just trying not to make it the same ones, it's worth pulling it back because it's so easy. And I could easily see myself fast and fast forwarding 15, 20, 25 years and being exactly how I was in my twenties and thirties, because it's so addictive being type A, set the goal, go after the goal, set a big goal, get another goal. But that's really addictive. But sometimes it's not what you want. And normally comes at the expense of other things, hence the holistic approach with nutrition and fitness and training and life and mindset and everything. I think you need to look at it that way. And there's a time and a place when you can train multiple hours a day. There's a time and a place when you can just smash those work targets, but it shouldn't be constant. If it's constant, that's normally feedback that you need to think about what you're doing because, you know, effectively, whatever you're looking to achieve, happiness, peace, fulfillment, whatever it is, put whatever language or word you want in it. Like that doesn't normally happen, especially if you keep climbing these ladders and realize you're up against the wrong wall. So I just wanted to say that as well, because I think it might be important yeah. as someone who fell down that rabbit hole myself um, and fell down that pitfall. It's, it's worth kind of bringing to the surface for people just in case, because, you know, new year, new me, that, that whole philosophy can happen. It's like, it's still going to be the same you all the way through. You know, you don't need to change your entire personality and your entire life just because it's the new year. It's like, just make those small incremental changes and try not to make the same mistakes over and over again. 
Yeah. And I would say, you know, the biggest thing is to work on mindset and really like taking that objective, curious look at yourself. Like I I have a similar story. I actually built a seven figure business. That was not my dream. And the moment I realized that after buying a half million dollar building was like, oh shit, (laughs) Um, you know, and I've kind of been on this journey of, and that's a lot of what this podcast is about is, you know, learning to make changes. And it's like, you know, it's hard to rewire ourselves, but until we do, you're going to keep running on the same hamster wheel and all of that. 100%. Um, Like, I think that's why it's inspiring when you say it, because sometimes learning from the mistakes of others, and sometimes we have to make our own mistakes, like mm -hmm. they can't be avoided. But, you know, it's a Brandon Bull quote that the smart people learn from their mistakes and the really sharp ones learn from the mistakes of others. I think listening to what you've done, listening to what I've done, listening to what other people have done in similar positions, you know, and realizing then, you know, is that really what you want? And do you want to pay the cost for that? Like that happens a lot too. That's a good question. You know, yeah, you might want to lose a load of weight and you might want to look like a fitness model or you might want to make seven figures, but that's coming at the cost of something else. Sometimes when you weigh it all up, you realize, well, actually, I want more time with, you know, your your son or my daughter or family members. And yeah, you could build seven, eight figures and you could, mm-hmm. but it will come at the cost of other things. And sometimes you might not want that. And I think it's an important question to ask. Yeah. And I think that that's getting a, a really good, you know, heart of things. Because I know in the high performance world, it's like, we're always driven by that next thing. And I, I've been exploring this for myself because I'm working on a second doctorate degree. It's like, do I need it? No. You know? And so I actually paused for a while to just like a year, just to really look at like, what is my drive? Like, why do I want this? Is it the status? Is it the achievement? Is it the next thing to do? Or, you know, I finally came to the realization that I'm just a lifelong learner and I'm super interested in what it is. So like, that's okay. I can do that from there. And I have a totally different approach, but you know, we go after so many things and and take stuff on that really honestly don't serve us. They're just serving some image or, you know, thing that we think we have to aspire to. That has well, ask yourself, what, ask yourself, what would you do if no one was looking? You know, I use the analogy in the book yeah. that um, one of my best friends, Dan, is a big car person. He loves cars like and I don't care about them. They're literally four tires on a piece of metal. I'm like, as long as it gets me from where I need to go, I'm good. But I love working out. And he hates it. He trains because he wants to look good. And we fall on polar opposite sides. And I always ask the desert island question. I'm like, if you lived on a desert island, would you be doing the thing you're doing? Or would it be to try and impress somebody? And his answer is always, if I was on a desert island, I'd want a Lamborghini to drive around. And I'm like, well, I'd pull two branches together and I do pull-ups. So that tells us a lot, <laughs> you know, about why you're doing things. Because if it's for status or it's for something external, like, you know, don't try and fill internal issues with external things. Like that's a recipe for failure as well. And just leads to misery from personal experience. But asking, you know, if you're on a desert island by yourself, would you be doing this? It sounds like you'd be going back doing the doctors because you're a lifelong learner and you love it. And I think that gives you clarity as opposed to other things that might be pulling from a different direction or you're doing it for from another place, you know, for me, place of ego or a place of um, uh, wanting admiration or whatever it is, things that just w- not the position where I should be making decisions from. So I think that's a useful one for people when they're going after these things, ask, well, would you do it if no one was looking and would you do it if you were on a desert island? Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing I liked from your book, and we could talk forever, so we'll kind of, we can wrap up on this or if there's anything else you want to add, but I think you said something about, you know, tell, like, tell me what you're doing and I can tell you where you'd be in a year. Um, and I think just going into like the new year and kind of thinking through all that and like 
you know, some of my favorite activities I've done around this time is like completing the year before and, you know, just looking at what I did accomplish, what I did achieve. Because I think we can also undervalue the things that we have actually done or like not acknowledge them. But then moving into creating that that new year is like, what are you doing <laughs> and where is it going to lead you to? So I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. But um, yeah, yeah, like the the line I use there is tell me what you do every day and I'll tell you where you'll be in a year. And it applies to nutrition, it applies to fitness, it applies to business, it applies to everything. You know, uh, ordinary things done consistently well equal extraordinary results. And it doesn't matter what those things are, but you need to be consistent with them. And it's funny you said that, like it's such such a type A thing that you don't look back on the things you have achieved. Like it's the high end, well, I've done that, what's next? And I, I still am not perfect with this, but I am getting better where I'll reflect at the end of the year and go, well, that was amazing. That was a goal six, 12 months ago and you did it. Good job. And it's so, it sounds so strange, (laughs) but I think anyone that's type A gets it because they don't, we don't do it by default. We don't, we're like, well, that's done. What's next? Next biggest thing. And I think there's definitely a time and a place, particularly now towards the end of the year, coming into the new year to do that. Like that just makes you, I don't know what it does, but it it pulls you out of that go, go, go race car, go, go, go mode. Mm-hmm. And that's a great mode to have. And it's a great switch to be able to flick because it's useful in context. But if you do that all the time, your car breaks down, you know, like you have people, it's probably not a, it's probably not a coincidence. There's a lot of people listening here who have an issue with stress because burnout can cause stress because if you're constantly pushing and you'd be shocked and you know this better than anybody, how much you can override that, you know, you can keep pushing on and you can keep pushing on. You can override it to a certain point, but eventually your body breaks down in some shape or form, whether it's heightened stress, decreased energy levels, zero sex drive, extreme fatigue, whatever it is, eventually it'll break down, but you could be pushing for years and there was warning signs. Like if you, if you look at, if you keep the car analogy, there was probably a flashing yellow light in the car at some point, but we just ignored it. And if we didn't, the car wouldn't have broken down, i.e. your body, your mental, your physical health, et cetera. So I think be mindful of those warning signs. And I think one of the ways to do that is to reflect on the things you have achieved and realize that this was the goal once upon a time, six months ago, 12 months ago, and you did it well done. Good job. Sit and reflect. And then set the next goal. But I think that alone is the equivalent of slowing down the car and just yeah. gives you that little bit of leeway and gives you that little bit of runway where you don't keep, keep push, pushing. I love it. And it's so true. And I, I'm still working on that for myself. You know, it's like, I look back, I've lost 30 pounds this year. Have I like acknowledged or celebrated that? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like, all right. You will now though. You totally will now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, those listening, I know um, we're not alone on, on this this plane. So, you know, if you do anything going into the new year, just reflect and acknowledge what you have achieved, because I promise you it's more than you've given yourself credit for. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank, this has been great. And I feel like we could talk for three hours, but <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it brief so people can, you know, get on with the next thing of their day. But is there, just in wrapping this up, you know, do you have any parting thoughts, words of wisdom? Um, definitely how, you know, how can people connect with you? I know you are quite big on social media as well. So, um. yeah. So parting thoughts would be kind of against what I would normally say on podcasts. Cause generally when you're on a non-type A type podcast, I normally tell people, set the goal, go get it done. Successful people do the thing they have to do regardless of how they feel. That's generally not the problem with 
type A personality. Okay. <laughs> it's not. With type A personalities as somebody who I want to say doesn't want to rehab back into the type A consistent where I'm constantly go, go, go is understand that the thing that has served you so much until now might be the thing that breaks you down in the future and to just be mindful of that. And as somebody who found out the hard way, as most of us do when life punches you in the face, yeah, a cup, a little bit of reflection and a little bit of just self-awareness around what it is you're doing, why it is you're doing it, the things we've talked about today, realize that that superpower that once served you of go, 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 being a type A might be the thing that makes you break down in the future. So just try and stop it. Prevention is better than cure when it comes to that. Um, and I think that's the kind of the parting words that I would leave. Um, and then find me at my podcast, the Brian Keen podcast, Instagram, Brian Keen Fitness, underscore Keen Fitness. Um, I'm on everything though. Like I'm literally, if people like to listen, podcasts, they like to read the newsletter or the books, if they like visual, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and just bringing your knowledge and expertise to the show. I really enjoyed our, our conversation and I know it'll make a big difference for those who listen. So I did too. Thank you so much again for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and also leave us a review. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me in the Emergent Women Community Group on Facebook for the chance to interact with me live once a week and even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become the vibrant, energetic, and on-fire version of yourself we all know is under there. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about. Mm -hmm.